Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy. This season is all about intentional comfort, and we'll be taking a look at the crossroads of the inspiration, intention, and action that you can take to bring more comfort and joy to your everyday. This is your host, Paula Jenkins. Welcome to episode 316 here on Jumpstart Your Joy. This week on the show, I'm really excited to have Fred LeBlanc of the band Cowboy Mouth back. He is here for his third interview, and it's really fun to talk to him about their brand new single, which is called Mardi Gras State of Mind. I can't wait to bring him on. Before we get to this interview with Fred, I want to wish you all a very warm welcome and say thank you so much for tuning in. I really love being able to do this show, and of course, it is not without people like you tuning in and listening each week that it is possible. So thank you so much. If you want to learn more about Jumpstart Your Joy or about me, you can find out everything you need to know at the website, which is jumpstartyourjoy.com. And you can find the show notes that will link you to all the things that Fred and I talk about here. Or of course, you can find that in your podcasting app. Uh, While you're on the website, though, you could also sign up for my newsletter where you'll get a little reminder every week about a new episode that's come out and some other joyful things that maybe you'll want to share with your friends and family. The other really cool thing that I have coming up, I am, of course, a full-time podcast producer, is I'm going to be opening up my podcasting mastermind, which is called Jumpstart Your Podcast. It starts on April 22nd, and it's going to run for six months. In it, we'll do a full show audit. We'll talk about growth and sponsorships and making money off of your podcast. And I'm really excited to have an amazing first cohort. I hope you'll be a part of it. If you want to find out more, there is a link right on the homepage of Jumpstart Your Joy. It says, join the mastermind. And so if you are a podcaster with an existing show, I invite you to apply to join. I'm really excited to have Fred come on for this conversation. Of course, March and I guess early April has been all about finding your passion. And Fred, for sure, is one of the most passionate people I've ever encountered. And if you, I'll link up to some of his uh, performances with his band. He's really excited to play. And the magic that he instills in every performance is really It's palpable when you're there or when you watch him on YouTube. And so it was really interesting to catch up with him after our last conversation was two years ago, just as the pandemic hit. But talking to him about how he is so passionate about playing live music, what things changed and shifted in his own mind during a time when we were all in shelter in place. And he really found that joy hit differently. He was able to slow down and really reflect on some of the things that had transpired over the last 25 years and could see the joy that he brought to other people's lives, but also really revisit some of the music that he'd already written. And that was all hitting in new ways as well. And I always love our conversations because we also dive into Anne Rice and Elvis and a multitude of other really interesting things. And be sure to listen to the very end of this episode because I'm sharing a really funny outtake that I think you won't want to miss. Welcome back to the show, Fred LeBlanc. Looking back over the past couple of years, like, how's it been? What has it been like for you? I stopped playing music for like a year. Actually, let's see. Actually, 14 months. And I hadn't, I had not played music professionally that long since 1981. Wow. And um, it was something. It was, I mean, everybody suffered. Everybody remembers what it was like. It wasn't that long ago. It was just like three weeks ago. It gave me a lot of time to reflect. It gave me some time to rest. And I told everybody I, was, I needed about a month's worth of sleep for about 
20 years. So <laughs> finally mm-hmm. got it. Yeah. I got married literally the week before lockdown. So, you know, me and my wife, you know, we did what hon- uh, honeymooners do <laughs> for, a while, for a long time, so, which was fine. And I was very fortunate in that people would send me emails or something like that saying what this song or that show had meant to them and things like that. And just in the constant progress of moving forward, you never really get a chance to look back. And the way people let me know how much the band and songs and things like that had done for them or enabled them to to bring joy to their lives was really eye-opening because it's something I never really considered something yeah. that was uh, it was something that was presented to me and maybe the last 25 years hasn't been a waste of time after all <laughs> you know? I know is even in talking to you before you very much love the live performance and you're incredible in person and so it's kind oh, of interesting you. that there's that maybe a quieter response <laughs> that was coming back to you of people saying, I remember, I mean, even us, we would say like, I remember seeing you and what fun it was and won't it be great to be back in that space again. But then also some of the other songs, like I believe, I don't know, they, they kind of hit different while we were all isolated. Yeah, they did did hit different. You know, one thing I would do is I started doing uh, acoustic Facebook shows, just playing the guitar, just interacting with fan base since everybody was stuck at home. And, you know, it gave me a lot of time to go through this vast catalog of songs I had written besides just the usual, the Jenny Says and stuff like that, which I'm very grateful for, which I still really enjoy playing. But to go past songs like past, I believe, like in the deeper stuff that I had a lot of songs I'd forgotten and written. And people would say, well, this is a really good song. I'd go back and listen to it. Mm, that is actually pretty good. <laughs> I'll be darned, you know. And it actually opened up a wellspring of new songs, which was really nice. It was kind of like looking back, kind of understanding where I've been allowed me to kind of move forward at at not such a uh, breakneck pace, like kind of take more purposeful steps in my songwriting. Well, and it was really interesting to see that last year you released the things you you wanted to do. And it felt like so timely. But then I know from reading it, like that was something you wrote a long time ago. I wrote a long time ago. I did change it. The song originally hit me. It was more about my place in the band and all that type of stuff. And then after years of it being gone, you know, the song came back and it was, I was writing more about where not only the band was, we were, but, but everybody was as people, you know, are you itching, are you ready to do the things you've wanted to do after being told no, for whatever reason. And I mean, those reasons will be debated by history and all that type of stuff. You know, right now at this moment, and people can't just, can't just live in fear. You can't just be afraid all the time. It's just, it's not what we're put here to do. That's not what we're here to do. It's not what I'm here to do. Anyway. That was really me addressing that idea of, are you ready to start living again? You know, are you ready to start being alive, being that person that you, that you hoped you would be? Okay, well, now's a chance. But honestly, every single day is a chance. Every single day is a new opportunity. Right. You know, every single time you wake up, it's like, okay, another chance, you know. And that was what the song was about. Not just what everybody had gone through in the previous 14, 16 months, but where we were going to take that individually, collectively, that whole thing. You know, where where are we going to take this experience? Are you ready to appreciate life and live life in that moment again? And everybody's got to answer that question themselves, you know? For sure. Well, and I think so many of us had time (laughs) or too much time to think about that question. Or maybe it just shifted things in people when we're faced with that it depends on everybody's individual who they are and how they think and how they approach life you know it's like Mm -hmm. 
I was fortunately in a situation where I could breathe. I was able to just step back and take a breather instead of panicking the whole time, which, mm-hmm. you know, it's nice because, you know, I'd been go, 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 going for many, 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 many years. You know, as a lot of people do, you know, you just, you know, they say life happens to you. It was just constant movement, constant go, 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 go. And, you know, it gave me an opportunity to just stop and breathe. Not to state the cliche, but stop and smell the roses, for lack of a better term, you know? Yeah. Well, and I know a lot of people have that same, like one of my main clients is a doctor and she had mm -hmm. the same thing, like for the first time, probably in forever for her, she, she, you know, since school, like she was like, wait, we had to shut down. Now I can. And she just started interviewing everybody she knows and and her podcast went crazy, which was a blessing, but such a strange way to find your, your, you know, self in that space of, okay, what do we do with this? But that's life, you know, I mean, yeah. you know, it's, you have to open up yourselves to the possibility. You know, it's it's like, um, I was talking about this with somebody else the other day. I try to instill this idea with my kids. There's just mm-hmm. basically two basic emotions. I think it's the Elizabeth Kubler-Ross thing, you know, the yeah. woman who came up with the idea of five stages of grief. Mm-hmm. You know, she also had, she also had the idea that there's two main emotions, love and fear. And yeah. anything you do is based on either one of those. And you, you have to figure out, you know, which one it is. And I guess it all depends on where you found yourself landing emotionally as you're confronted by these kind of uh, unparalleled events. You know, for it's sure. like, okay. Because for me, it just got to the point in my life long before that where I just got tired of running away from or running running towards something or thinking I was running towards something. but realizing in the long run, I might've been running away as much, you know, mm. and getting to that point of just like, okay, just kind of let go, let God be still and see what happens, relax. And, you know, it's actually worked out very well. Yeah. Well, and I love that because there's always that gap moment where we can decide, are we going, are we doing something based on fear or based on love? And Every single moment of every single day. <laughs> Yes. So true. So true. Yeah. And I feel like your new single, Mardi Gras State of Mind. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so much. Well, thank fun. you. I'm glad you like it. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it actually so... just popped in my head about popped in my head a couple of months ago. I started thinking about Mardi Gras and the lockdowns being lifted and everything. And you know, being a child in New Orleans, I mean just, you know, Mardi Gras is just you know, it's just a chance to cut loose and boy did I <laughs> We had a great time, and just the idea, the song just hit me. I was uh, I was in the restroom taking a bath, and it just relaxed, and it just hit me. It's like, wow, I'm really in a Mardi Gras state of mind. Boom, there it is, you know. Mm. And then just, you know, once again, the whole questions of, you know, how much longer can you deal with this BS? Shouldn't we all just stop the silliness? Because, I mean, you know, the, the constant fear porn, the constant fear programming we get from all sides these days, you know, okay. Right. Okay, now you can't be afraid of this anymore, but you have to hate this or you have to be afraid of this. Stop. Stop. Yeah. I know there was that sense in that song, or there is that sense in that song. There's a little bit of a rebellion, like a rebellious spirit to it, which uh, I, of course, love. And there's also that thing of, you know, do you want to go fishing without asking permission? It's that they're like, that's the nugget for me of, yeah, Yeah. I want to go do the thing that I want to do without having someone tell me it's time. Or telling you why you're a bad person because you want to do it. I'm going to live. I'm going to live. And it's Mardi Gras, and I'm in a Mardi Gras state of mind. and, And instead of saying... You know, what's the line? Uh, wouldn't you rather go? Wouldn't you rather be fish instead of asking someone to do as you please up off your knees? All those people need a little kissing. You know, it's just like, 
It's yeah. kind of like you tell, give him a kiss on the cheek or tell him to kiss your ear and either one. And it's like, you know, it's like, what's the next line? I said, I might, I've had a bit too much to drink, but damn, that girl is fine. Jumping in the river, of, jumping in the river of life again. Right. Like you either live or you die. You know, you either move or you stop. You either live or die. And that's kind of what, you know, these songs are all about. Um, Mardi Gras State of Mind. I've got, we've got a new single that we're, that's probably going to come out in a couple of months, kind of along the same way of just, you know, enjoying life. You know, it's, I think we've all been too much, been through too much. And I really just don't feel like complaining for a while, you know? Really. Right. And even right. just coming back out of it, it feels like there's little mm -hmm. weird things that come up for every, and I don't want judging, I'm not judging the weirdness, but like there's little particular things that are coming up for each person. Like my son's yeah. afraid to go without a mask. I've had other calls mm -hmm. from people that they're like, wait a minute, should I really be doing this? And it's like something, I don't know, maybe I need to play them your song. Like yeah. you, We just have to, we have to figure out how we either ease or just jump right back in because Look, I think we're I'm, there. I'm, it's time. I'm an old I'm an old Cajun, right? I love yeah. eating shitty food. I've got a belt, but at the same time, I learned a long time ago that if you live your life terrified on any level, that's as detrimental to your physical and mental health as anything, you know? There's a lot of my team versus your team these days. It's just so silly because we're all one, you know, we're all one energy. And the more we can, the more, we're, the more we remember that, the more powerful we are and the more things go our way. It's when, you know, the people at the very top of the food chain try to divide us based on the things that separate us, like, you know, gender, sexuality, skin color, financial status, whatever. Yeah. It's when, when they start drawing those when they start emphasizing the differences, that's what makes people go, Hey, yeah, you're, you're this and I'm that, and I'm better yeah. than you, or you're worse than me. You know, it's like, no, we're all the same. You right. know, everybody has a different and unique experience. Nobody, as I like to say, some people have it easier in life, but nobody has it easy. Nobody has it yeah. easy. Yeah. And once, once you realize that you can gain empathy for what somebody else may or may not be going through and just, you know, instead of, you know, trying to jump on landmines all the time, you find yourself skipping through a weed field. For sure. Well, and I, I feel like there's some quote in the Bible, which I can never quite figure out, but it is something about like, you know, when your enemies come for you and they realize that there's no you to be found, meaning they come mm -hmm. looking for that thing that somebody has said divides us all, but then they realize we're all right there in the nuance of things. Like we're not the thing. We're not black and, you know, black and white, right or wrong. We're we're well, in the middle, all of us, all the yeah, time. Yeah, we're all, all of us. And I mean, and that changes, you know, who you are, yeah. you know, at the beginning of your life and who you are at the end of your life are very different people, even though you're the same person, you yeah. know? And I mean, whenever you find somebody who's intent on focusing on differences that divide you, check your wallet because <laughs> they usually got their hand in your pocket, you know? Wow. Yeah, that's true. It's very true. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. It's true. It's true. Yeah. So looking back over, I know you had so many interesting posts about, I don't know, even just some of the music you'd written and you were rediscovering. Mm. Was there anything else about all that that you realized something about yourself? Lots of things. I realized, I realized that I was actually enjoying my life and my career a lot more now than I had mm. ever, simply yeah. because I was able, I've been able more to appreciate where I am and where it is as opposed to getting stuck in some nebulous future or grinding down some acts that happened in the past, you know, I was able just to enjoy the now, just yeah. really enjoy each and every moment that comes 
you know, and for what it is, you know, playing like a big festival or a small club, playing to like a huge crowd or a small crowd or in my house, you know, uh, on social media, playing acoustic guitar, just really, really able to enjoy those moments, you know, really for what they are mm-hmm. and realizing, you know, and, you know, being freshly married, just having somebody there to do it with that I really wanted to share these things with. That is, that's, I don't think I knew the last time we talked that you just gotten married. So congratulations. That's amazing. Well, thank you very much. Of course, course, sir. Yeah. Well, and so one of the Ah. things that surprised me a little bit was, uh, I know in a post, you also mentioned that when Miss Ann Rice passed that you guys had collaborated with her in some way. Is that something Mm -hmm. you can share more about or will we ever hear some uh, of that? Yeah. It's like our manager, Stephen, his, his significant other, Brandy, she was very tight with the Rice family. Mm. She dated Chris for a while and then acted basically as Miss Anne's right hand for many, many years. And she was um, friends with us and we were friends with her. And uh, Anne had written out a bunch of lyrics mm. that she wanted us to try to to write some songs for. And it was just, we were busy. She was busy. We had albums. She had books, movies, all that type of stuff. It never really got around to being done. I think the lyrics are around somewhere. But we had a lot of interactions and they were just always so pleasant and she was always genuine. Yeah. And in my line of work, I've met a lot of quote unquote famous people and some of them are great and some of them are full of shit. You know, it is what it is. It just depends on the person. But you know, Miss Ann was always, you know, you never really got the sense that there was anything that she considered herself different or apart from her, Mm. anybody around her, you know, she was very generous, generous, almost to a fault. She was very sweet natured. You know, she just had this vivid imagination that set the world on fire, you know? Yeah. Well, and I love, too, that, I mean, there's something very lovely and, I don't know, just about the two of you knowing each other. And that, I mean, just it just <laughs> seems like a little bit of New Orleans that's, like, perfect, right? Yeah, it was, you know, it was, you know she, was, she was such a sweetheart. Her husband had died about 20 years before, so yeah. I'm sure they're, I'm sure they're enjoying each other's company. So. I'm sure. Yeah. And, you know, it's, 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 it was that kind of, you know, it was her finding romance and, you know, that gothic beauty of New Orleans, yeah. you know, especially at that time, I think was one of the spearheads culturally of New Orleans coming back, like in the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s, kind of a rediscovery of itself, which, yeah. you know, led to so much, what led to so many great things, like, you know, that me and my band were able to be, you know, a small part of. And culturally, that still continues today. You know, so I mean, I think you know this this woman wrote these stories to just ease her mind and ease her burden, and they turned out to be these spectacular tapestries of time and place <laughs> that you know just lit the world on fire. Like I said, I mean, it, it's pretty spectacular. You know, I my kids live in um, Tupelo, Mississippi, and I have a place up here, and I keep them every other week for a few days, you know, my, uh, my first, my ex-wife lives up here. So I go back and forth between here and Louisiana and, you know, here in Tupelo, if you don't know, Tupelo is where Elvis Presley was born. No, I didn't know. How cool. Yeah. He, yeah, he was born here and it's about 90 miles, 90 miles Southeast of Memphis. Yeah. And Elvis's family, a Presley DNA, is still all over here. And if you know the story of Elvis, he, his family moved to Memphis when he was about 13. Mm-hmm. And all those years of formatting that imagination, that that little child's mind, 
all those formative elements which turned him from being this beneath poor kid, only child, lonely kid, into being this literal human magnetic shift. If you look at the scope of not just culture, but a lot of even American history, there's before Elvis and after Elvis, even, you know, on a worldwide scale, you know, like the Beatles wouldn't have happened if Elvis hadn't. All the stuff that we have today, you know, the way we see the world, I mean, and it all just was fomented in this little kid's imagination of him running around these streets, these streets mm. here in Tupelo. And you see things like that, and you look at people like Ann Rice, who did the same thing. You know, they just fomented these things in their imagination, and they just let them explode. If you look at the work of Joseph Murphy or Neville Goddard or somebody like that, you know, yeah. people who really look at imagination as the actual tool for a building, building lives and accomplishment, you know, the idea of every single thing you see around you had to start in somebody's imagination initially. And mm-hmm. yeah, I find things like that to be really fascinating. And yeah, I realize yeah. that yeah. I use that in my own life. You know, we all use it. You have to be conscious of it to understand how you can make it work for you as opposed to against you. Because I mean, right. you know, if you're, ter- if you're terrified of things, you know, yes. it's like this whole world of, once again, the fear porn and all that stuff. It's kind of like these people just keep broadcasting these fear and terrifying broadcasts to keep us scared so we stay in line. Yeah. And then if we can yeah. be comfortable with who we, we are and use, yeah, and use our and tap into that. Yeah. yeah. I believe, you know, that there's a, there can actually be a radical shift in consciousness to where people understand what's going on and how they can control their lives. So, so they're sure. not victims. Like how many times have we all grown up with those feelings of just being victimized or, you know, or this happened to me or this happened, you know, yada, yada, because of this is no, no, you, you're the master of your fate. You just have to understand how to yeah. grab charge of that fate. You know, and there's, there's a lot to be said for that. And the characters of both Anne Rice and Elvis Presley were these people who, who, who seem to be, for lack of a better term, cast off of society, a young boy who's, from a dirt poor family, they're like the poorest of the dirt poor of the dirt poor family. Right. You know, and a woman who had just lost her, her only child. You know, mm. I mean, you're dealing, you're dealing with real emotional loss. Right. You know, and these people filled it with these worlds that they built in their imagination and these worlds <laughs> manifested like almost, you know, in comedic ways, you know, in cartoonish ways. That ended up shifting yeah. things for millions easily yeah Yeah. well and i also think it's interesting there's people you know even like this show is that for me and like Mm -hmm. the guest that would have just been on last week is um scott leftwich and he just started collecting arcade games he's in south carolina and then Uh now he has 125 early arcade games in his home isn't this cool and like he opens it up to people and he's i always was just the neighborhood weirdo but now like this has taken off and he has the right. he has some of the only games left in the world of these things. And it's and he feels like he's in his element. So I think it's so interesting. People can tap in and find it in whatever that thing is, whether it's you know, I, you I know. have a friend of mine, I have a buddy of mine, I'm not gonna mention his name, but he's not anybody famous to anybody that would know, but his story's pretty intriguing, right? His family is his uh his dad and his mom started dating when they were like 15 and 13. And then when the dad and mom were 16 and 14, the mom got pregnant. What happened at that point? You know, a lot of times what would happen, you know, they'd do whatever or, you know, get it, quote, taken care of, whatever it was. Right. But these two said, no. What they did was 
they made a go of it at 16 and 14, right? Mm-hmm. And and what they did was they pooled their resources, their meager resources, and they bought a convenience store in a very you know poor section of town, of the town they lived in. And that was the family business, and that's how they made money. Mm-hmm. And then, but they started doing really well with it. Then they had another kid, so they bought another convenience store, right? So over time, they were able to turn this thing of convenience stores into a chain, pretty successful chain that they were able to sell. Well, yeah. okay, their son uh, was a fan of the band, and here's a conversation I had with him, like in the mid '90s. You know, this <laughs> young kid, he was about. He had to have been about like, he was around like 16 or 17, eh, 15, 16, high school kid. So tell me about this internet. What is this all about? <laughs> so I had no idea, but he became our first webmaster, right? So anyway, so he, you know, and it was the, it was, it was the encouragement of his family and just, they just really, they're a really smart bunch of people. So he, he decides he wants to become a lawyer, right? So he becomes a lawyer, but he finds this little niche within law that nobody else had figured out. Just a little niche thing, you know? So he starts like a little kind of company that focuses on this niche, right? Yeah. And he works on this thing. And you know what he just did? He just sold his company a couple of months ago for $500 million. Oh, my word. That's amazing. Yeah, his parents had a convenience store. And they ran it. You know, they ran it. Imagine going into a convenience store and it being run by a 16-year-old kid who owns it. Yeah, you know, it's just and it's just opening up that world of imagination to where anything's possible, you know. And I think I think that's probably why, you know, we're bombarded with fear messages all the time because you know right. people at the top of the food chain they would like to stay at the top of the food chain. They don't want us at their table. <laughs> mm. Ugh, but I mean, yeah. you know, it's it's there's just so much possibility there, and, and I think that I realized it with the lockdown. As far as my own, my band, my interaction with my guys and my band, the interactions with people mm-hmm. that I had played for and who basically absorbed my songs and the band's music, I realized, as, wow, I really did. Yeah. That's so, amazing. There you go. Yeah, yeah, and I love it that, I mean, the, it goes each way with the parents choosing kind of a life that they wanted for their children and then that child gets to see anything is possible. I can start from yep. wherever mm-hmm. and make it make it into mine. That's yep. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I was talking to him. It's like, that's great. It's like, what do you do? I don't know. Starting to just, well, your kids are taken care of. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Next. So good. Yeah. So good. That's wonderful. That is it. the money per se. It's just the ability to make your own rules. And the way you make your own rules is by realizing that you have the power to make your own rules. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, my pleasure. <laughs> I, I can't add to that. <laughs> I got like into the whole, like listening to a lot of Joseph Murphy. There's a great, there's a great lecture called The Secret of Life. It's about 15 minutes. You can find it on YouTube. And I okay. try to listen to it at least once a week. And I've gotten so much out of it. It's affected my, my health, my mental health, everything. It's like, it's just, and it's just 15 minutes of just resetting yourself every day. Even just a little bit, I find works. And... Yeah, I've gotten so much out of that and just, you know, just the way of just basically programming your life, you know, you happening to your life as opposed to your life happening to you. Yeah, yeah. Does that I make sense? That oh, it totally makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I know mm-hmm. through lockdown I and whatever pandemic times, I've really listened to a lot of 
I mean, inspirational self-help, whatever, personal development mm-hmm. type books. And mm-hmm. it really, there was a lot to be learned during this time about yeah. who, who you are and what you, what you need and how you can change everything. Yep. Yeah, I'll link that one up. So um, will you tell us about, you've got a tour coming up. You're playing Jazz Fest. Like, mm-hmm. how, how excited are you for all that? Let's see. We just played Mardi Gras. We play like a right. big free thing every year on what they call Lundi Gras, which is the day before Mardi Gras Day. It's a Monday afternoon, and it's on Spanish Plaza, which is right on the river. And between that and Jazz Fest, those are my two favorite gigs of the year because they're just so quintessential New Orleans. I'm looking forward to Jazz Fest because we were supposed to play, you know, they, we were booked twice to play because they were going to have Jazz Fest last fall and it fell through. Ah, I'm ready to just live life again. And part of living life in New Orleans is, for me has been playing Jazz Fest for 30 years. So I'm ready to do it again. Yeah. It's the greatest party. It's the greatest party and the greatest festival in the world. Mm. And we're very happy to be part of it. And I like to believe we still add something to it. Quint Davis knows how to throw a great party. And it's the best music, the best food, and the best city in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I need to get there for that someday. We will. And I know you all are touring, including a very exciting stop in San Diego, California. What else? I mean, what about the tours exciting for you? We're always kind of touring. We're always yeah, as long as like lockdowns aren't crazy or some BS or God only knows what they'll pull out. I'm sure I'm sure alien invasions will be thrown out there by the end of the year. I'm sure, you know, multifaceted squid disease that kills you within three seconds or an alien invasion. You know, murder hornets. Yeah. Murder hornets, alien invasion. Yeah. Okay. All right. Ooh, can we get on with life now? We're always touring. We're always playing. Sure. Yeah. So it's not like we it's not like we go on a tour per se, simply because I'd rather just pick and choose mm-hmm. instead, you know, and if you're on a tour constantly, it can become the grind. Yes. And I did that for a long time. And I, I just, I didn't really enjoy that aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah. It does you know, shift I, a bit. Well, I, I just didn't want my kids to be part of the rock and roll wreckage. You know? <laughs> I understand that. Not that I have a lot of rock and roll wreckage, but yeah. I, you Everybody's know, just... got some. <laughs> so is there any last bit that you would like to leave folks with before we end this about either tour dates Mardi Gras state of mind, you know, where you're at. I'm always in a Mardi Gras state of mind. So I guess uh, Mardi Gras state of mind doesn't have to revolve around a certain religious Louisiana holiday. Mardi Gras state of mind can be anytime you damn well please it. Put on some loud music, kick off your shoes and shake your butt a little bit and you're in a Mardi Gras state of mind. I love it. Well, thank you very much for joining me. It's been such a treat to get to talk to you again, Fred. I really am grateful. Always a pleasure. Me too. Thank you so much. Thanks, Fred. Bye-bye. Yeah, Fred, thank you so much for returning to the show and sharing all these stories and all of your insights about the pandemic. It is always such a treat to speak to you, and I feel honored that we get to stay in conversation about life and your music. So if you want to find out more about Fred and Cowboy Mouth, you can find all the links to their shows and their tour dates and this new single over in the show notes, which you can find at jumpstartyourjoy.com. Or if you're already a follower of Jumpstart Your Joy in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, you can just click through and find the show notes there in the app. Good Pods is also a great one. 
It's more of a community and social-based podcasting app, which is super interesting because you can find new shows easier and share them with your friends. So I encourage you to try it out. I'm kind of liking Good Pods. <laughs> but you can find everything there in the show notes. Another way to follow along with the show, of course, is to get on the newsletter, and I'll send out a reminder every week or two that there's a new episode up to listen to. And you can sign up for that right there on the homepage of jumpstartyourjoy.com. And the other interesting thing that's going on in the Jumpstart HQ over here is that starting April 22nd, if you already have a podcast and you would like to join up for both community and mentorship around your show, learn how to grow it, how to, if monetizing is a route you're headed, we'll talk about that. We'll do a complete podcast audit um, and you'll get one call a month that is coaching and mentorship. And then the second call each month will be all about co-working together get the stuff done we'll be going for six months so if you want to sign up and you already have a podcast that's also on the homepage of jumpstartyourjoy.com next week on the show i'm really excited to be joined by author emma lowey and she is just releasing a book called return to nature the new science of how natural landscapes restore us and she is the co-author of the spirit almanac and mind body greens senior sustainability editor i really love this conversation so much because it's tying into the the next theme that we're, we're going into around intentional comfort which is finding home and so she's going to talk about how our home the earth <laughs> how we find uh, restoration through different kinds of landscapes the mental health impacts that those have and also what we can do from a climate change perspective to better the earth also in this month i'll be talking to laura joyce davis who is the host behind the podcast shelter in place which was released right as we went into lockdown that's when she started and we'll also hear from jen oglesby who you did hear from in an earlier episode but this is our first official full interview and i have some thoughts on what it means to have your heart second home as well so i hope you'll come back in april for all those amazing interviews and shows and until then i hope that your days are filled with so much joy i also don't think i told you so you're in my book about how you reconnected with joy by holding a drumstick and like just yeah. getting back into the physicality of hitting your drum and it was so inspiring cool. so thank you i can send you a copy yeah i'm famous now <laughs> fred you were famous long before <laughs> please please do not look miss aguilera directly in the eye thank you <laughs> what is that a quote from uh we played a festival years ago you know and Christina Aguilera was the liner, oh. and her people were going around telling me, do not look at Aguilera directly in the eye, do not look at <laughs> I'm like, really? Really? But I'll leave that whatever. off the record. <laughs> uh, no, it's fine. I don't care. We'll awesome. Oh, that's really, really funny. 